This week on the My Love of Golf podcast, we're trying something a little different. I've co-opted one of my golf buddies from the golf club, Rod Rocket Heron. Now, Rod is a passionate golfer, great player of the game, very knowledgeable about tournament golf, very knowledgeable about golf architecture, and just a general great guy to have a chat with. So I thought I'd get him along, and we put a series of podcasts that we'll bring to you every couple of weeks or so in the lead-up to the big tournaments of the year, where we'll talk about some of the players, some of the performances, some of the things that we're loving about the game, some of the things that we're you know, challenging us and we want to have a bit of a rant about. We'll talk about some other stuff, golf, and we'll talk about some golf architecture. He knows a lot about golf architecture. I'm in the early part of my golf architecture journey, and, uh, and we'll share with you some of our thoughts around golf course, golf course design. We might talk about a bit of product, new product. We might try some products together. We'll have the occasional game. Whatever it is, we'll bring it to you in the Roscoe and Rocket podcast series. So it'll drop in in between the My Love of Golf podcast interviews that we'll, I'll continue to do. But uh, I hope you enjoy this week's first one. Basically just two guys having a chat about uh, a golf tournament and a few other things. Enjoy it. Sit back, relax. Tell us what you think and we'll keep on going. All right. So enjoy Roscoe and Rocket's rant. everybody so we've got rocket on the line welcome to the my love of golf podcast rocket thank you roscoe um how are we this evening very very good i've had a uh, long day in the office so to speak and uh you know just finishing off with a bit of a chat and a bit of a wrap and a bit of a chinwag with your good self about uh about what our plans are and i've i've alluded a little bit to the audience so far in the intro um what we're up to but I thought I might just start off the conversation with throwing to you and uh, maybe you could tell me when, when you got that call the other day about uh, you know jumping on with me and helping me out, so to speak, giving your brother some love. What did you think? <laughs> oh, I thought it was a fantastic idea um, and, yeah, definitely looking forward to you know, this and the many other podcasts to come um, after this one. Um, and for those that don't know who I am, um, I'm just a, the average golf nerd who um, is enjoying playing with uh, likes of yourselves at uh, our beautiful club down at Peninsula. And, uh, you know, if I didn't have so many kids, I'd probably be playing more often. My handicap would be a lot better, that's for sure. That's how you sell short on the golf front, mate. Your handicap is very, very solid, and uh, you're a very, 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 very sneaky player to play with and against. So, um <laughs> Don't sell yourself short on that front. There's no, there's no fooling me, let alone the people listening. All three, of them. All, all three of them, all three of them, and we all play golf with them. <laughs> now, mate, um, exactly. I really appreciate you jumping on because, you know, it's a challenge keeping up good quality golf content week in week out with the interview style um, and balancing work, and we both work full time and and all that, and everyone's busy. But I just thought we got to the stage with uh, the podcast that we could start branching out and talking about some of our shared passions. And, you know, obviously tournament golf is that. We've spoken about that. A little bit of architecture. We've spoken about um, our shared passion for that. So, you know, your knowledge is, I think, deeper than mine. Let's just cut straight to, um, you know, the most recent activity in the golfing world, the Players' Championship. You probably you probably uh, have digested it um, frame by frame, shot by shot by now. What did you think? What did you think? What did you think of the uh, the Rory McIlroy dominance? Uh, Players Championship. Um, well, I definitely do look forward to this tournament. Um, if there's one thing that we can put to bed, we can drop the gavel on this one right now. It's definitely not a major because Brooks Kepka was not contending. So as everyone knows, Brooks Kepsa only turns up in majors, so we can just put that one to bed. <laughs> um, 
It's, ama- it's it, amazing. You know, it's, 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 it's amazing how much traction this discussion around should it be a major, is it worthy, the players want it, some players don't, you know, the histori- historical people would say, I, I can't believe it, it's, it's, it's four majors, they're done. Okay, maybe maybe there's a question mark. Are they all perfect? You know, is one in particular? Should this be another one? Should it replace it? But it's just ridiculous. It's not a major. Shouldn't be. It's it's a great tournament, and we'll just leave it at that. I think. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, the players' championship. Obviously, uh, you know, this morning getting to watch it, um, and you know, I, I can honestly say I've never been a massive Rory fan for for. Um, probably most of his career, um, but in light of his uh, comments about slow play, uh, I'm on the Rory bandwagon. And seeing him, um, you know, take out this win, his last 36 holes was quite phenomenal because he certainly wasn't playing um, at full Rory speed. Um, you know, early on in his round, he's he's, he's dropped a couple early and. He's had to sort of fight his way back, and you know some of the shots he was hitting down the stretch um, are some seriously clutch things. You know, for example, if anyone's watched any of it, um, I think the turning point is he's, he's um, carved his tee shot on 15 uh, a little bit right, and he's in the trap, and he's hit a like low sort of cut three quarter shot into this you know front right pin like right over the stick. And then on top of that, he's drained the 20-footer down the hill to tie the lead with um, uh, Jim Furyk, who was already in the clubhouse at, at 14. Um, and then he still had to finish with 16, 17 and 18. And he's hit some just phenomenal shots you know, over those closing holes. And, you know, he's thoroughly deserved this win, especially because he's formed for the last... Would be at least five or six tournaments. Um, he's been in the, in contention, so it was just a matter of time before, you know, he picks up the win. Um, you know, so it, yeah, it was it was yeah, it was massive. And there's a lot of really good players contending it as well. So made for some really good TV, that's for sure. Well, I'm a certainly in the Rory fan camp. Um, I like Rory. You know, I like the part of the world that he's from, so can't help but gravitate some love towards him. Yeah, you know, could he turn up for different tournaments here and there? But yeah, that's aside. His form, you know, I, I think people underestimated his form over the last twelve months. Maybe not recent times, but certainly since winning the Arnold Palmer. Yeah, but he, he's always, if you look back, been in the you know there or thereabouts. And yeah, he's had a couple of fluffs, but um, yeah, he, he's. He's performed pretty well, and I think if you listen to the the um, press conference, uh, his headspace is seems to be very very well structured at the moment. So that can only be a good thing for you know performing well in high pressure majors. And he would have to be on definitely on the radar for uh, you know some of the other majors coming up. So you know he's I think the stat was he's the fifth or sixth player under 30 to win the players a couple of majors a FedEx maybe he Tiger Stenson is that right did I miss that stat or did I get that right oh any stat that includes the players and FedEx um, I almost turn off (laughs) FedEx FedEx Cup's only been going for like about 10 years so I don't know that's that's my personal opinion I think the FedEx Cup's a little bit so, mate, a bit lame. That's what that's why we've got you here to mate to bring the controversy early, big and strong. I like it. But he's he's um, he's got some Hall of Fame stats racking up. So uh, anyway, fair play to Rory. So, well done. The shot that he hit on eighteen for me. I was standing there watching it on the TV, and he just nailed it, and it was great. And that for the, me, the, is, dri- the drive or the second shot? Oh, both. The second shot was a little bit hairy, I thought, uh, for a moment. But um, no, no, it was perfect. Uh, but the drive for me, you know, because if we've not seen him hit a couple under the pump, you know, in the drink or in the in the bush in the past, you know, you haven't been watching golf. But uh, it was just perfect to stand up there with that massive blue lake on the on the left hand side. It certainly would be a uh, knee tremble for me and you. I know that much. 
Well, talking about sort of Rory, you go, you know, all the way back to Bay Hill, and you know, I was watching, I was watching the the last sort of five holes again, um, you know, about an hour ago, and I started to think about Rory, sort of in the last, we'll call it a few years. You think back to, you know, his his couple major implosions at the Masters, um, and you know, it's one of those things where you know. Oh, We've seen him, you know, almost become Adam Scott with the putter in his hand. You know, I remember the AT&T, um, oh, I can't remember which hole it was on one of the, it wasn't on Pebble, it might have been um, Monterey on the front nine. He's drove the green on this long par four to about eight feet and he's four putted for a bogey. So, you know, so he's gone through these all these challenges. So from when he had that really strong run in t- like 2014, where he's won British Open, PGA, uh, number one player in the world, um, and but then he's just you know completely sort of fell off, and he's sort of you know lingering around in the background. It's almost not even being talked about in the likes of you know Day, Speak, Thomas, um, DJ, etc. But it's almost became this point sort of last year where it's like he's, there's something like there's a, there's a switch that's sort of flicked in him and he's gone, I'm going to have to do, if I want to make the most out of my career and create a bit of a legacy, I have to just be a bit more selfish and focused. So, you know, he's relinquished his um, playing rights on the European tour. So he's, there's a lot of events that he would normally have played and become this world player a la Ernie Els, Greg Norman and the like, and he's gone, no, nah, I'm going to focus on my time in the US. Um, he's changed his caddy. He's um, changed his fitness guy. So there's all these things that he started to sort of change where he's becoming sort of almost like more and more focused. He's going through this very deliberate sort of process. And the last six months, or well, last six tournaments, essentially, is probably the culmination of all the decisions he's made over the last six months. And you can see how he's becoming a little bit more vocal about what he likes and doesn't like about golf. Yep. I like listening to him in interviews, but you can see how his game is really starting to come together. Um, and his attitude is, I don't know, it's like he's got... He's got all these weapons. Like he has, he has every tool in the toolbox, but it's like this this little mental headspace which has been like his his little Achilles heel, and I think he's kind of trying to find that sweet spot. So then it, it allows him to just go and play freely. And what I mean by that then links to that shot that you mentioned on eighteen. Is if you watch his last like nine holes. Like there were certain shots where he's hitting these little like three quarter swings where he's like in between shots and he's just hitting these just ripping three quarter little cut shots or draws into these holes and he was it was just a thing of beauty that's that's for sure so it's it's come on he said just on the on the mental side he said in his presser and just to finish on Rory for a sec but he said that he's become comfortable being himself and not letting golf define who he is. Yes. So, you know, off the course, he's just he. If he has a bad round, it doesn't matter. And he's just being Rory. And I guess the thing that sort of solidified to me that, you know, he's got his head in the right place. He says, you know, all I'm worried about right now is enjoying, you know, this gold trophy that's sitting next to me. And tomorrow morning, I've got an appointment at home with my wife, with my interior designer to go and fix yeah. it, to go and to go and renovate his house. So it's just doing some normal normal stuff. So good on him. It was a great win for him. What about the the rest of the top 10? There was a couple of uh you know hits and misses in there. What 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 were your thoughts on uh so we had Jim Furyk second and then we had a, a gaggle of people for T3. Eddie Pepperell, my man. Oh, yeah. I tell you what, uh Eddie Pepperell, oh, you, you would nearly cheer him on for the win just to hear his victory speech. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that hasn't seen some of the European tour videos, so their social media team are all over it. Uh, some of the ones that they've done with uh, Fleetwood, uh, Stenson, uh, Bjorn, and uh, Westwood, that is some of the funniest stuff you, you'll ever get. And uh, he, he's just a really funny cat. 
he's a funny cat. Yeah. Um, he's golf's up and down a bit, but when he's on, he's certainly on. He's he's got a, he's got some game. Oh, he, he's yeah, he's he's definitely a good player. We'll call him. He, he might be in the the same realm of uh, Beef Johnson, so he <laughs> could be just that larrikin, you know, hot one week, cold for six, you know, but just uh, definitely um, keeps the crowds entertained. Um, Old man Furyk, so Patrick Reed's um, favourite playing partner, you know, so he was turning back time. Um, that was really good. But, you know, there's there's a lot of others that, um, you know, I thought, you know, I really enjoyed the week that uh, Tommy Fleetwood, um, the best the best hair in, in golf, um, he was playing, he's playing some seriously good golf. Um, obviously then had um, uh, Ram. Oh, and who else was contending as well? I'm trying to think. There's a bit of a jam-packed leaderboard, actually. John, Jonathan, Vega, um, Jonathan Vegas was up there. Uh, oh, yeah, John, John, Johnny Vegas. He's a strange cat as well. Um, yeah, so there's some there's some good players up there. Uh, there's And there was a fair few of the ones that were, especially in the top 10, that were, they weren't in that, you know, right up in the top part of the leaderboard, but they were sort of floating around, you know, likes of DJ. Yep. You know, Rose, um, Jason Day was thereabouts. Um, I think Adam so, so Adam some... Adam finished in the top twenty at least. I think I'm pretty sure he was up there as well. He, he and he and Day were the only two that sort of figured in at least the top twenty. I know that much. Yeah, and I don't know what Adam. I didn't see much of of um, Scotty this week, so I don't know if he's putting while doing a handstand or something like that at the moment. So <laughs> not sure about what technique he's trying to use. Um, but and just overall, it's just a really good tournament. John Rahm, that's, that's uh, John Rahm. Has is he is he still got it? Is he just finding finding a new <laughs> mojo? Is he is he officially unravelled? <laughs> I, I found it quite. I, I had a bit of a chuckle to myself when you know, you know, we saw the round that he played in in the third round, put himself on, on the you know at the top of the leaderboard, and he had this interview, and he's talking about. You know all these changes he's made in terms of you know his mental game and becoming more composed, and then as soon as he made the absolute just oh, it's one of the worst mistakes ever that his caddy I think nearly wanted to push him into the water and then he's gone and played just this crazy shot hit it in the water and he was losing his head so I thought you know obviously the uh, the the, uh, the composure and patience only works when you're playing well <laughs> mm. I don't think he was um, but. You know, he's a serious talent, and it will be. Is one, you know, he'll be in the same boat as you know some of the other younger players. Once they sort of figure out how to sort of, um, you know, we'll call it, get the mental game right. You know, he's got a lot of power, a lot of tools, and yeah. he could be anything really. Now, mate, everyone loves the players. Its new position in the tournament rotor is, uh, I think, it, it suits this lead into a, a very big season of golf um, through the Northern Hemisphere summer. The course, it's another topic of, you know, this tournament that gets a lot of airtime. You're a bit, you're, you're the architecture buff of this team. Your thoughts on, <laughs> your thoughts on the course? It's a, it's a Pete Dye, TPC stadium style course. I haven't played on that uh, one. I have played on a Pete Dye Stadium course, by the way. I just sort of dropped that in now and clear that part. Not this one, but one of his other ones. Just sort of throw that PGA in. PGA West? Maybe. PGA Maybe. West, yeah. Maybe, Rod. <laughs> Maybe I've played there. Um, but what are, your so thoughts TPC, on, what are your thoughts on Sawgrass? TPC Sawgrass. I, I actually think I think it's a phenomenal course. Although well, there are a few holes in there where they've got the double hazards. So the ones where there's a bunker and then there's a tree in front of the bunker, there's a few of those that probably, you know, we, I could get my steel chainsaw into to take them down. Um, but as a course, if, you know, it would be the ultimate test if they just allowed it to firm up a little bit. Although I guess that probably the challenge for the superintendents, it'd be interesting if we ever got a superintendent on, on, on this podcast to ask them about the, the nuances or how to fix Sergio's spike marks. Um, but <laughs> we will, but, uh, we will, we will, we'll, we'll get, we'll get the Sergio files on that uh, topic opened up. Don't worry. <laughs> so, you know, Bermuda in, in sort of, you know, what we call autumn or the fall as they would call it, you know, so that, you know, you're trying to, 
um, how do you have that course, you know, ripping and ready in March for that type of event, trying to have it running fast. You've got to be careful with that course as well. There's a lot of water. You know, they did cut the rough a little bit shorter this year, so, you know, it could run out. Um, but as a overall as a course, just strategy-wise, it's very much, if you're in the if you're in the wrong side of the fairway, it doesn't matter what pin you're going at. If you, you, you try and go at it just because you're in the right side of the fairway and the pin could be in a different spot, you could really find yourself in trouble. So it still is a, people might look at it and go green and played soft, but you still have to play smart golf because there's a lot of slope in the greens. There's a lot of ridges and elephants buried under some of those greens. You come in from the wrong side of the fairway. You know, you're going to short side yourself. You hit, you miss on the wrong side. You can have all sorts of carnage. Um, so, but just as a, as a course, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And I definitely um, would love to be able to play that, that one, one day. That's for sure. Well, it does get a lot of it gets a lot of people that are your side of the fence and people that you know could sort of just leave it alone. So um, it's it's always going to be topical. It always is every year, but um, it's done and dusted for the another year, and we look forward to uh, the majors. So I guess moving forward with uh, our little Roscoe and Rocket rant, we um, we'll focus on the majors and we'll see how we track uh, through that. We might do previews of the majors and, and talk about um, you know who's hot and who's not and maybe try and get some forecasting and uh, crystal balling going and seeing if we can <laughs> pick a pick a winner between the, <laughs> these two these two brains of ours but um, we might do that but we'll get, we'll talk about some other topics as well and you know we talked about the course there one of your very deep passions and and something that I'm learning more about in the last couple of years after experiencing you know, a broader depth of golf course is architecture and I know you're quite close to it and so I'd like to maybe you know dedicate some of the time on the on this version of the podcast to, to talk about that if you're interested in doing that I know that you're a big sure. Ra- a big Rainer fan yes I love my square greens so why are you a Rainer fan let's just talk about you know why is Rocket a Rainer fan because another, controver- uh, another controversial one, as far, from my little knowledge, seems to be people love or hate Arena. Is that right? Am I wrong? Oh, uh, yes and no. Okay. Well, it's interesting, right? Because he's he doesn't have a lot of courses, and you know, anyone that's a, a bit of an architect um, buff, you know, there's a we'll call it there's a golden age, and you know. You know, you can argue about equipment and we could tangent off into that one and, and um, talk about Brandel Shambley and his waffle about 8,000-yard golf courses for seven hours. Um, but, you know, if you go the golden age of, of architecture, you know, if you, you're going in from, you know, just before the Great Depression um, to a little bit after the Great Depression where, you know, all these you know, phenomenal golf courses were were sprouting up um, through uh, the United States. So, the, you know, the tail end of the Gilded Age um, of the 1800s into the early 1900s. And, you know, Rainer particularly um, has has a unique set. And, it, it, you know, in a way it almost becomes an acquired taste because as a, he's purely an engineer by trade, um, not a golfer, you know, his first... Um, piece of artwork um, was in conjunction with CB McDonald and they created uh, the National Golf Links of America up in Long Island. You know, so anyone that's, you know, if they don't know what a rainer is, you know, if you look for uh, greens that are square or rectangular or uh, holes that have a redan, so, you know, sharp, sharp sloping, we'll call it right to left or left to right, um, with a slope from front to back, or, or the uh, biaps, which is the green that has a big dip in the middle of it. There's all these little templated holes that they've they've taken from um, courses in um, Scotland and and in across um, Ireland, etc. And you know they've have this format of there's certain holes that they use, not mimicking 
um, or not exactly the same, but they mimic certain holes. So, for example, the road hole at St Andrews, they've used that sort of as a um, that green shape with the pot bunker on certain holes on a lot of their courses. So they kind of they call them templated holes. So you have these particular holes as a, and they put them in to these courses on a regular basis. But Rainer's um, standout was you know, a lot of square holes. So you know, if anyone wanted to look up, you just even Google Sleepy Hollow um, Golf Club. There's a lot of really good aerial shots because it's just been remodeled by um, Gil Hansen, I think it was, back to original state. And it's, it's just phenomenal from the air because you've got these basically almost straight lines in, in terms of a rectangular fairway, bunkers that um, adjunct in from the fairway and then to these rectangular greens. But what was, what made him really unique is that he was able to turn what is very flat, barren land with nothing um, architecturally um, significant and create these amazing golf courses out of nothing just by you know moving moving soil moving dirt in subtle ways that would create all of these either misdirection it would create all these um, different optics based on how they raise the lip on a bunker out of the fairway or just short of a green all these di- different depth perceptions so it wasn't just a I had square greens, but it was also just how they designed them and the strategy around where they would place bunkers and even how they did their greens and the shapes of them and how they designed those. And considering it's, we're talking about the 1920s, to do that with, they hadn't, didn't have too many bulldozers, um, a lot of it horse and cart and manpower. So moving a lot of soil, um, is a phenomenal engineering effort and the genius of the man to be able to do something like that. And he obviously didn't have drones, right? So so go, oh yeah, here's how I route this. And so that those all those things are, you know, you almost wish that you could grab him and find out why did he route it a certain way? Um, why did he do the placement of these bunkers? You know, so it's just really unique. But he doesn't have that many courses. Yeah, unlike a Donald Ross, who it's probably like 300 courses in the US that are Donald Ross. Yeah. Um, so so Donald, Donald Donald Ross's original fame is back from. Where was Donald Ross? What was the, where, where, where was his origins? Oh, he's. Um, I think he's originally from Scotland. Moved out here, and I can't remember one of his first courses. And he became almost like a. Was it not Dornock? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Oh, I'm certainly. I know a lot of Ross stuff, but I'm not not into that sort of detail. But yeah, he had a. He was a. There's a, there's a guy in the US uh, called um, Justin. No, Tyler Ray. That's uh, Ray A R A E, and he is a Donald Ross like student and has been writing and studying Donald Ross for a very long time. And um, uh, he was trying to become the first person to play all Donald Ross courses in the US and someone beat him by like 30 days. No, he can't. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's part of the Donald Ross Society. So there's an actual like group where they try and find all the Donald Ross courses and try and make sure they can retain and restore as many as they can. Yeah. So you can see that you know architecture with some people can um, create some craziness. Um, but, yeah, Rain is really interesting, and, and I think I've talked to you about this one before, is that, um, you know, one of the favourite courses, my favourite course obviously being Augusta, but my mecca is Cypress Point because I see Cypress... Augusta wouldn't have happened without Cypress Point because Bobby Jones played there first, found out that was designed by Alistair McKenzie, so, you know, I see the origins of Augusta being Cypress Point. But the interesting factoid is that Cypress Point was being commissioned and the original architect was supposed to be Seth Rayner. Um, but unfortunately, um, Rayner had passed away in 1926 before he was to begin Cypress Point. So they um, 
they they called in um, Dr. McKenzie to design it. So there's a part of me thinking, you know, what would Cypress Point have looked like if Seth Rayner got his hand on on that piece of land, which is just amazing. And you know, I've spent a lot of time on the the Monterey Peninsula, um, probably drooling on the 14th fairway, which is close to the road. Um, and what would have if Bobby Jones had played a Seth Rayner Cypress Point, what would he have fell in love with that? And what would Augusta look like if that was the case? So these are, you know, it's, you'll never have an answer to it, but it's one of those things where you just go, what if? It's a bit of a sliding doors moment there. There's a lot to digest in that conversation that started with uh, a Rayner Architect course. <laughs> Sorry. No, that, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> It just, once again, demonstrates the length and breadth of uh, information that we're going to be able to bring on this topic to the people. And uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, Donald Ross is not Dornock, but I'm trying, there's a Scotsman that was sig- significant in the, anyway, it doesn't matter about Dornock, we can get back to Dornock. You know what I was thinking? Because I'm learning and your knowledge is clearly above my station in this architecture, that you could set me a little assignment between podcasts that I could go away and research and present back with a newfound knowledge of golf courses and golf course architecture. So there you go. There's something to think about, uh, Rocket. You can put a little, throw a little assignment for me and I can come back and, and present it to you, O learned architectural one of this <laughs> duo. Okay, I'll have to think of... I'll have to... I have to think of either a topic or an architect to go and have a bit of a, a dive into. Putting myself under pressure there, which I, I don't need far less of in my life. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm up for that challenge because, uh, as I said, it's it's a new thing for me. And, you know, my interest in architecture is, is, I guess, spawned in a couple of ways. It's, you know, through watching, you know, this golf course that we're both members at and enjoy playing um, oh. transform from, you know, what it was and you know what i remember what it was was pretty good uh into something that which is you know spectacular and so my interest in architecture i guess grew through that time you know it's been a few years in in it happening and just seeing what um mike cocking and and um mike clayton and their teams have done you know through the bunkering and the shaping of the green complex of teas and we'll probably spend time talking about that later on but I guess around that time, you know, I started to do a little bit more golf travel and you just mentioned that you spent a lot of time in the Monterey and I've been lucky enough to spend you know, a bit of time in the last few years in Ireland and Scotland and, you know, it wasn't until I sort of come away from these trips playing golf thinking, wow, I just played North Berwick and, you know, isn't there something about template holes that, and then, oh, yeah, I've just played them all and this is where they started and uh, yeah. and it was really then that I thought, Oh geez, I better start dedicating. You know, I'd I'd like to dedicate a little bit more time to, you know, learning about this. You know, playing on a on the Mackenzie course at uh, La Hinch, you know, which was probably still up there and probably one of my all time best ever golf experiences. Playing that course, um, home of the Irish Open this year. So, you know, it's it's a new interest for me and something that I keep learning. And definitely not an expert, but um, you know, I hope uh, spending some more time talking to you about it. I'll learn something. So, um, what else, mate? We, you know, there's a bit of, bit of chin wagging on product. You know, I think you've just picked yourself up a new, a new uh, fairway wood, and and just to to let the, the the listeners know that when we first played golf, there was one thing that that impressed me was your fairway wood play. You had this tailor made fairway wood that just you hit from everywhere. It seemed you'd be able to. You, felt to me that you were able to vary the distance flight and um, length of that uh, club at will and when I got the call that you needed a new one or a new M6 um, I was surprised and so, how, so how's that going for you how's the new, how's the new one going so yes the uh, the RBZ2 uh, that was an is an absolute uh, absolute cracker um, and I think um, where it had tickled, where it had tickled me is um, I, a mate of mine had an M2, and I hit, I had a couple of hits of that, and I'm like the ball is just coming off the face, like it's just like screaming off the face, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to upgrade 
Um, and so, yes, I went into to your shop and I was playing with the M4 and the M6. Was it M4? I can't remember. M- M5, sure. M5 is the new one. M6 is the new one. M4 That's right. was the previous. Yeah, it was the M4. Yeah. yeah, so the M4, there was an M4 that you had there and there was an M6. And it was, for me, it was actually a bit of a, it was so close. Um, I ended up going with the M4 and that was purely for budgetary reasons um, as there's some, some other other equipment challenges I need to address in my bag. Okay. Um, but So I've acquired the, uh, the M4 and I've only been able to get, I've only used it a couple of times because I'm, um, uh, called the uh, unfortunate thing is that when I put it in the bag, we're playing back tees at North, so it didn't get a lot of usage. Uh, the, uh, the the big boomstick was getting a lot of usage uh, <laughs> uh, that week, um, and a couple of times I got to pull the three wood out. Um, it was okay, um, but I didn't, have, didn't quite have a chance to sort of let it rip. Um, but so yeah, man, it's it's yep. Did I did I say that you that you got the M six and you really got the M four? Yes, I did. Sorry. Okay, no, I, uh, I, sorry. I, that must have been me that just put the M six in my bag today. Then <laughs> <laughs> must have been me that got it. Uh, yeah, no, an M six did go in my bag today to match the M five driver. Um, thank you, uh, TaylorMade, very much. Um, well, yeah, I looked at the yeah, I was so close on the M six because. Um, when I talk about the budgetary reasons, I'm, I'm going through um, uh, changing my wedges at the moment, um, which I don't change a lot of my gear that often. Um, the only thing I the only thing I change a lot is probably my driver. I don't you, I don't get you blokes that don't change your gear very often. Like, come on, you got to you know your wedges, you got to keep the grooves fresh and sharp. You know, Titleists say that uh, uh, they've got some stat. Every six months of groove wear, you lose like 1.5 meters of you know spin control. So if you have your wedges for three years, you know you've lost four and a half five meters of spin control. So you know you start out stiffing it at the pin, and all of a sudden the ball's not, and it takes you a lot of time to to adjust. You should keep them fresh all the time, buying new stuff all the time. <laughs> well. They're, they're the they're the ones I'm actually changing at the moment. So I've got I've just I've added just recently. Um, I've finally bit the bullet on adding a gap wedge. So I've just added um, a TaylorMade uh, uh, milled fifty degree gap wedge, mm-hmm. um, which has actually been a godsend because it's it's um this is one particular shot. We'll call it that that hundred meter hundred meter shot which has driven me nuts for a very long time. And unless I was playing a real lot, you know, trying to hit that little three-quarter knockdown wedge um, used to be, you know, a bit of my Achilles heel. It's either I'd blow it over the green or I'd land it right on the right on my sort of 100 metre, 100, 105, but it'd have so much spin off it, I'd be ripping it off the green. So this 50-degree gap wedge has been an absolute godsend so and i'm in the process of um i'm going to change my lob wedge and um sand wedge so i'm moment in cleveland and i'm going to move to i'm going to match my set and, and go down the tailor made path with with those as well although i'm trying to trying to get my gapping right so whether or not i go 50 55 60 or do i go 50 5662 so to have some consistency I'm still umming and ahhing about that so that's probably slowed down my decision making a little bit mm. sounds very cerebral and a lot of thoughts going in, is going into that and you know that's not my bag mate so you know probably we'll talk more about product because it's clear that we're on opposite sides of the spectrum about changing stuff now I do have the benefit of having a little bit maybe closer and better access to golf clubs but you know, when I talk wedges, they've all got to change. They all change at the same time. They change frequently. If one doesn't doesn't work, you know, for gapping or feel, then they all get changed. But not everyone can. You know, 
I just it's more it's more of a mental thing. Forget what I do. For me, if I I have to look at the same wedges, so I I, I look at people's well, ba- bags bags and go, oh, they got a Cleveland and a TaylorMade and a Vokey and whatever. And I go, oh, I can't do that. I can't I can't even look at your bag. Sorry, turn it away. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, I, I, I've been a, I've definitely been a Cleveland Classic lover for a very long time. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of a borderline traditionalist. Yep. You know, so it was even a long time before I went for the larger headed drivers. Um, so I still even have the tailor-made burner bubble with the there's a nine and a half degrees, and you can fit the club head in my hand. <laughs> so, mate, I, I can I, 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 I can get one better than that. I've got the tailor-made burner, the original burner, seven degrees at home. Burner seven <laughs> degrees. Seriously, you try and hit it now, and you cannot hit it. And like you know, I had that when I was seventeen. I got it. When I was 16, went to the States for the first time. They'd just come out. It was like the first metal wood, tiny little thing. And I remember playing in Palm Springs with it. I remember playing and hitting it and flushing it. Now, I, 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 it scares me just to look at it. It's unbelievable, the changes that we've made in this game with clubs and technology, well, all for I, the better. I talk about tailor-made because that was – every time – uh, the first time I hit, I went to uh, actual metal woods. So I was big – um, I'd always only had like a metal three wood, so I had the tailor-made tour spoon, and this is this will sh- this will describe my fruity lump, fruity couples sort of almost like mimicking. So I had the tour spoon, uh, thirteen degrees, and I had a um, uh, I had a Wilson. I can't remember the model. I had a Wilson persimmon deep face persimmon driver. And um, I used to love smacking the little suitcase out of that thing. And then um, I, tr- I tried a TaylorMade Burner Plus when they just first come out. And it had that, I can't remember the shaft, it had that silver and black shaft, 10 and a half degrees. It was only a regular flex. I was about 17 and I hit that thing an absolute colossal mile. Um, yeah, so I remember, I remember yeah, thinking back to those and TaylorMade. From that day on, I was a TaylorMade fanboy with the driver especially. Every time I moved away from it, I, I've never had any luck and I always come back and I've just I've gone, I'm never going to look at any other woods ever again. No, I get that. I get that. Uh, I've had my stints in and out of, you know, that sort of way of being, you know, all bag, one brand, you know, top end of bag, one brand, irons, another brand. So... Yeah, no, I get that. And um, so we'll talk a bit about gear from time to time. What else? What else are we going to talk about, Rocket? You know, are we going to have a Rocket rant? Is there something you want to rant about? Is there something that's got under your skin? Because I, I know if you follow you on Twitter, if you follow if you follow Rocket on Twitter, where do we get you on Twitter, Rocket? Uh, uh, at Rodney Heron, H-E-R-O-N, so Rodney Heron, or you just look up InfoSec Rocket. Um, that actually sort of describes more about what I do from day to day. But yes, you've obviously seen some of my little rants just recently, and there's two things that are absolutely grating on me at the moment. Um, and they one goes into the other. So the first one, it's just the PGA Tour rule interpretations. Oh my goodness, these guys are like you cannot you cannot make any more gaffes. Than these guys in 2019, and then what drives me even crazier is that all the tour pros they gaslight the USGA when it's the PGA Tour uh, rules officials are the ones that are making the mistakes on the interpretations. Like um, what was the one recently? Oh, so there was the uh, the standing behind the ball. So there's one there was one that was uh, assessed with. Um, Oh, Hal Tung Lee over in Dubai, mm-hmm. where basically the caddy walked behind him, and he got hit with a two-stroke penalty. Oh, it was just, it was just mind-boggling. And then there was the other one a couple of weeks ago, which Justin Thomas, you know, lost his, lost his shoes over, where the caddy was actually lining up behind him. The rules are the rules, right? And you know, the guy got a penalty. The PGA should have assessed it the night that night, not the next day. And, you know, it's really frustrating when, you know, the pros are getting all antsy about and all headstrong and blowing up on social media with, with these these things, yet 
when it comes to slow play, crickets. Absolute crickets. It, like, it, it's phenomenal how oh. they don't want to they don't want to dump their mates in it. And they all know, you know, they say, oh, we know who it is. And, you know, there are a handful of guys out here. And no one wants to, you know, make a call on singling out who these people are. And there's been a lot of talk about it. A couple of people have got some very good, you know, thoughts and ideas on how to manage it, you know, like, um, you know, through penalties and fines. And, you know, I've heard that, you know, JB Holmes is the one that gets singled out all the time. You know, he he budget he budgets in his annual annual fiscal figures for you know paying fines for slow play. So he didn't he doesn't clearly doesn't give a tinkers. But um, you know, the players are think when the players are thinking about systems and ladders and and ways to you know group slow players together. So it's it's just unbelievable. Someone needs to have some chutzpah and say, "You're slow. You're pinged. Slow, 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 slow. Ping, ping, ping." And and you watch, you know, like five hour and a half hour rounds will start to become like normal rounds where normal people go out and play, you know, good golf. Now, okay, they're not normal; they're playing for money. But you know, if Ian Poulter can run around or whoever, you know, I think it was Ian played by himself yeah. and yes, ran around in went. like two hours or two and a bit of hours and and shot a decent yes. score, like come on. If you can do it that, if you can play at that level of golf and shoot that score in a tournament at that speed, there's got to be some upside to the way that we're doing it. And it it does rub off, not so much, I think, you know, I think some of the guys that you and I might play with, I think, you know, they almost make a competition out of out of who can play the fastest. But the, the ones that I see playing slow, you know, when I go out and play with some of the guys that I know they're in, maybe the social clubs and you see the weekend golfer, and them trying to mimic the behaviours of, you know, the guys that they aspire to be like, it's just infuriating. It's it's crazy, and, and I feel sad. I feel sorry because I, I want to go up and say, guys, you know, you really, you know, but it's not going to happen. But that's that's what I see. Anyway, there's my rant. Uh, well, this is your, where it's, it's your I'm, it's your I'm, rant here. Sorry, mate. I've just took over oh, then. Oh no no, you've 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 you're hitting on all the right buttons. That's for sure. So, you know, this is where I've come to fall a little bit more in love with Rory so even him this week he called out slow play because on day one day one on a field that there's only 144 in the field not 156 in Florida um, in the fall so it's not like it's really short hours they couldn't finish day one they had to come back and have I think it was two groups that hadn't finished the last two holes like how slow are these guys playing like that's ridiculous, yeah, that's... and so um, it's just it's just mind-boggling. And then the other player that I've become to fall in love with is Brooks Kepka, because he called out um, uh, the scientist uh, Shambo uh, with the uh, when he played that spent two minutes on a shot. Like he actually just goes, why does it take so long? It shouldn't mm. take so long. Unbelievable. Um, so uh, maybe. But maybe they should get the uh, couple of the um, the Peninsula um, um, guys down there that roll around on the carts on the Saturdays. That'll that'll get them into shape. No, the Wednesday morning players, mate. The Wednesday morning players. If you get in front of those and your pace of play, you you know you've got a, a laser die balls in the back. You've got a, almost a letter. You've got complaints. So you've got to you've got you've got to keep it moving, mate. You've got to keep it moving. Um, well, you and I played lots of Wednesdays, and it's Wednesdays in the middle of the week. Well, you know, as, as me and Jamie like to call it, Wellness Wednesday. And if we played on a Wednesday, you know, there's a lot of people that just will go down there play early in the morning. They want to get around in four hours, have time to have at least a little bit, you know, something to eat, and then go do whatever they've got to do for the rest of the day. Yeah. You know, we're not playing for sheep stations. A couple of pro v ones, mate. That's uh, you know, that's that's big. That's that's, yeah. that's big bucks. Big biscuits, exactly. exactly. Or maybe maybe a bulky or something like that. Hey, um, anyway, mate. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. It's been good to chat, and you know, we'll get better. Not that there's anything wrong with what we've chatted about. We'll get, but we'll get more. We'll get tighter, and um, you know, we'll prepare, and hopefully, we can bring some some good stuff to the to the listeners. Um, as I said, really appreciate you you jumping on board and, and joining in, and uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good for you. Um, good.
good for us together and good for the podcast. Appreciate it. As uh, as you said before, at Rodney Heron, H E R O N. Yep, yes. H- uh, Rodney, as as you know, R O D N E Y H E R O N. Got about what? What do you got? Four hundred or five hundred followers out there in Twitter's Twitter's fa- Twitter's fandom land. Oh, I think I've got six hundred and fifty oh. unfortunate people. Oh, geez, sorry, to, sorry to underestimate your uh, Twitter popularity, but uh, you know, I've been hanging around that number for a while, so I'm trying oh, to get to the thousand mark. Well, if you're one of the three people that download this, uh, let's try and jump on and get uh, <laughs> get the old infosec rocket up there. All right, mate. <laughs> Appreciate that, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. And um, until we chat oh, next oh, time. One last oh, thing. Oh, oh, sorry, little, little, sorry. Little, oh. little, little parting shot. So, yo, yo, yo. Uh, if there was one thing from the players, the man, the man's, the man's be, prepared. I, that's that's I, I, that's a man who's prepared right there. Who wants to cut <laughs> in at the end? Sorry, mate. Go. I, I would. If there's one thing from the players, I'd love for any one of the listeners to go and have a look at, which is so funny. There was a thing that Jimmy Fallon did with a lot of the tour players, and is this little segment he runs on his show. It's called "Drop It, Drop It In," <laughs> <laughs> and and so he gave he, he gave all these players like phrases to put into sentences during their interviews. <laughs> And I think it was the Henrik Stenson one was still one of the best ones because the phrase he had to drop into his interview was uh, "sweet like sweet like toffee, hot like coffee," and and to try and there's a video out there of all it's like two and a half minutes and he even got Tiger, he even got Tiger. Um, oh, no, I know, yeah, saw he got it. Tiger. It's, it's so good. So anyone have a look for Jimmy Fallon PGA Tour players, um, drop it in. Oh my god, it's so funny! It's so funny. Uh, Adam Scott was the first one. Oh, it's because <laughs> we went to see Reba McIntyre the other night. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, no, it, 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 it was like, oh, did you get a chance to go and play Augusta before the Masters? And he said, no, I had to go and see Reba McIntyre instead. Oh, oh my god, it's that, so good. It's so good. That I was, I was watch, I watched that. That was hilarious. That was dead set. <laughs> How did, how did he get how did he get Tiger to do that? What was Tiger's one anyway? You go and go and listen to it, go and watch it. Uh, it's yeah. it's unbelievable. When when Tiger gets involved, you know he he has turned a page. That man, but we could dedicate a whole <laughs> whole. Uh, anyway, thanks, man. Appreciate it, and um, let's do it again. All right, love you.